So when you're at the very early stages, the just after ID, the idea stage, you had you've had the idea of what comes next. That I really encourage all of all of the entrepreneurs to to take a focused strategy uh, and and to start small, to grow big, and to really uh, bootstrap as much as they possibly can. Leverage other people's resources first before you go out and ask for money and give up equity in your company. Um, there is usually a way that you can do it on the cheap in the beginning and and if you don't have a cheap way to start it it might not be the right startup for you you might be you might have to pivot and usually it's those companies that are able to find that sort of uh, very niche focus and, and starts with without a lot of capital in the very early stages that are the most successful right because then they can start making money uh and at the right time ask for money now I do think, though, that they should get connected with the with the funders, with the angel investors, with the, the people in that industry very early on, just so that they don't waste any time when they're building their company. Because most of the startups that we're building are, are going to be those high growth companies, so eventually they'll need funding. And so it's a good idea to build it right from the beginning. Hello, dreamers and action takers. Welcome to another episode of the Want Money, Got Money podcast. I'm your host, Sam Kamani, and my guest, Today is Professor Tanya Hertz. Tanya Hertz is the Director of Entrepreneurship Program and Assistant Professor of Entrepreneurship and Director of the Regional Entrepreneurship Center at San Diego Miramar College. Over the last 10-15 years, she has mentored and worked with thousands of students and young entrepreneurs, mentoring them to succeed and changing hundreds and thousands of lives. So let's hear from Professor Tanya on how any entrepreneur can find a mentor, develop that relationship, build their connections and build a successful startup. So let's get into it. So Tanya, it's great to have you on the show. I've been looking forward to our conversation. You work with so many entrepreneurs and you run the REC or Rec Innovation Lab. So would love to know a bit about your background, how you got started and your journey that led to this. Sure, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I've also been looking forward to coming on here and talking with you. I was so uh, glad that we've met and I'm always uh, happy to to chat with uh, fellow entrepreneurs and anything that that I can do to to maybe speed up the the process of entrepreneurship or shorten the lag time and shorten some of the uh, potential for failure that a lot of entrepreneurs face. I, I love to do it. Thank you for having me. So a little about my background. I We started the Rec Innovation Lab, the REC, and the REC stands for Regional Entrepreneurship Center. We started that a little over a year ago. So it was right after we had heard that, no, I take that back. It was right before we all had gone on quarantine and were sequestered in our homes. And we had not anticipated being virtual. We thought we were going to be a a physical entrepreneurship center. And we learned very quickly that we needed to pivot or we would fail. And so we did. And since then, we've been entirely virtual from day one, practically, and and had a lot of success and grown significantly since then. My background is in entrepreneurship. And I am, I do come from industry and also education. I'll tell you, before I was at the Entrepreneurship Center, which is a regional community incubator, I was working for San Diego State University, STSU, as a teacher of entrepreneurship and working with their their program and their incubators and almost or a little over 10 years I was uh, was teaching there and I was frustrated I was frustrated with the the fact that resources were only available to the students for a very short amount of time and then uh, when they would graduate 
they could no longer be part of uh, the programs. They could no longer have access to resources and they were just on their own. And, and I was always getting people come to me and they'd say, Tanya, I want to start a company. I have an idea. What do I do? And you can't tell somebody how to start a company in a conversation. And so I, I just wanted there to be um, something for regular people like me and, and all the people that I knew to start companies and high growth, high value companies. And so that's why um, we launched the REC. And since then, we've helped over almost 40 companies, 38 companies we started. Yeah. And we help them to start those more of those high growth type companies, the uh, high growth, high value gazelle type uh, startups yes. where not a lot of community colleges don't usually take that 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 model. It's been different, but successful and challenging and fun. And I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, absolutely. That makes um, so much sense. One of the thing is that since you have like a background in education, tertiary education and, and all that, there has been in a lot of entrepreneurship circles, there has been some criticism of that sector that, you know, because students end up with they start their career with a huge loan so it's a setback for a while in some countries not not everywhere in some countries and around the world and so there's been but at the same time i do see the benefits what do you see as the main sort of pros and cons of going to college it should other like early stage entrepreneurs or, or kids who are thinking about uh, going into entrepreneurship should they look at going to a university yeah we i hear this a lot where people say oh can i just bypass university i'm not needing my degree for the job if if all you got out of that degree was a job then uh, you weren't making the most of your education first of all and maybe it wasn't the best education personally it sees so much value in getting that education and I've found, uh, but not always a university degree. It doesn't always have to be a four-year degree. That's one yeah. thing that I think that that uh, maybe I might see a little different than a lot of educators. Uh, I, I think that if if we if we utilize the community college system more and made use of the the fact that we have this wonderful resource that anyone can access and for almost nothing. I at the rec here it's $46 for a one unit class and uh that's virtually <laughs> virtually free yes. absolutely. Uh, not nothing like what you pay at university. And so it's so hev- heavily subsidized. We could we could educate entrepreneurs in that system and I think that if it was done th- then that could be a, maybe an, enough of an education in entrepreneurship, but I think there needs to be some you need that foundational understanding of the concepts and the theories. You need uh, the connections that you get, which Absolutely. are very, very difficult to get yeah, without them. And the importance of networking. Absolutely. Um, and another thing that you did mention that how you just started after the whole COVID and lockdown and everything and how it made you go online. Same story, same thing happened to me. It's like I used to speak at conferences and I, after my book is published, I was going around and I was supposed to speak at a conference in Dubai and in Canada and and all around the place. But after the lockdown, everything, nearly everything got canceled in mid 2020. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do now? (laughs) I said, what's the next best thing? Where do people exchange ideas if it's not in conferences and seminars and things like that, then that pushed me towards virtual events and podcasting. And so now it has allowed me to increase my productivity so much more and I can access people from all around the world so much more um, efficiently. Absolutely. Yes. So it's, I can definitely see that even after the whole COVID thing is gone and everything, this is not going to go away because it just... 
Agreed. I, I'm so glad that you said that. I think you and I, we've seen similar things in the last year and a half. And, and I think that well, anytime there's a change and there's a there's any kind of disruption or event that most people see as a problem, we're entrepreneurs. We look yes. at that and we say, where's the opportunity? How can we find a way to wedge in here and, and grow and continue growing? And grow. Yep. And that's yes. what a lot of us have done. I've seen a lot of people who normally or who before might not have uh, had time to take that leap into entrepreneurship or had the freedom to, to do what they want to do because of this new virtual world of work, they are able to. And since we've set up platforms that, that work in this um, system, we're able to help them uh, to to do that. And so I'm, I think that this is a a really, it's a unique sort of model, but it's a really amazing opportunity. And I agree, it's not going to go away when we, when, when COVID ends and we finally go back to some semblance of normalcy. I I, I do believe that we're still going to have, this will uh, live on. Absolutely. That, that is very, very true. You have worked with so many entrepreneurs over the last 10, 15 years. What do you see is that, um, the best entrepreneurs seem or the great entrepreneurs seem to do different to mediocre ones. Yeah. So actually, when you say that, I'm looking up here right there at the course key. That's yes. those are my former students. Um, yeah. And they're, they right now have a, a company that is uh, growing very rapidly. They're, uh, they were valued at, uh, I believe it was at it was 48 or 50 million, something like this. And it's only been, what, four or five years since they were in wow. school with me uh, working on their idea. And uh, there's a lots of others uh, like that. And you see that there's certain entrepreneurs who are successful and it has nothing to do with their age. It has nothing to do with their, their background or their race and all the other things that people think of when they think of a prototypical entrepreneur. Those are irrelevant. Yes. What matters is that drive and that work ethic and that that understanding of the the need to network to connect and to get tied into the ecosystem in which you're operating and and leaning on other people and letting them show you the way mentorship is huge just huge and so i actually one of the things that i do with all the entrepreneurs who are going through the incubator program at miramar yeah. is uh, i i connect them with mentors very early and connect them with very mentors who, who are really uh, big in in the entrepreneurship world investors uh, we have a uh, you know tech coast angels here we have san diego angel yes. conference we have some other uh, big uh, uh, investment groups and and tying them or connecting them with those people with that experience is really big early very early mm-hmm. yeah so that's and they help them to do it right oh, that's mm-hmm. that's such a good point and it's also the the you just mentioned about connecting and networking and having the right mentors we've this show has got listeners in about 72 countries and some of them might not have access to places like miramar college if there is a young entrepreneur who wants to get connected and who wants to get the mentors where should they start i i can't recommend enough to just get tied into whatever that ecosystem is where you are. And yes. uh, usually there's a score there. Usually there's an SBA. And uh, you can see some yes. of the partners that we have is SBDC, a score, all of these organizations that are there to help entrepreneurs get connected with as many of them as possible, make those connections and then leverage those connections for more connections. I always am telling the, the students in my classes that you have your name for, for your whole life. And so it's so important that you establish your reputation, protect your name and, and let people get to know you and they'll yes. help you uh, to succeed. So I'd say just get out there and talk to as many people as you possibly can. 
Absolutely, absolutely. I cannot agree more with that. It's even at the highest level of sports or performance, they all have mentors and coaches. And I'm sure um, most students look up to professors like you or as mentors, coaches. Who is your mentor or coach? I have a few. I have a few. Would love yeah. to know about them and how did you choose them and what you like about them? So I, it's funny. Sometimes, I, I, so I think that the whole mentoring relationship, it should evolve organically. It shouldn't be something that's forced or uh, phony or yeah, you know, yeah. in any way. And so I, most of the relationships I have, they've just evolved. There's one person, a few people that I go back to again and again. One of them is a Greg Anderson. He's with a company on here somewhere, 21 Orange was his old company. He has a, a yeah. new company. I can't think of his name of his company right now, but he's a he, labs. Yeah. Yeah. He's been an, uh, he has been an amazing entrepreneur, uh, mentor, entrepreneurship mentor for years for me. I've also connected with Alex Waters. I used to go every single week to a yeah. meeting with him and he would take the time out of his really busy schedule. He was the director. He still is the director of the, the Jacob Center. He would meet with me every week and just let me bounce ideas off of him. And so I still consider him a mentor. And I reach yeah. out to him all the time. I also, Claude Jones, I reach out to regularly. Who's, he is the, he's the director of Walmart Labs. And he also has the, he has a organization here in San Diego called San Diego Tech Hub. There's so many of them that I just, <laughs> I, I love. <laughs> um, I'm thinking of uh, also, um, oh gosh, I even, uh, there's several women, female entrepreneurs that, that yeah. I look up to. Jennifer Patel, she's been so helpful for me uh, here in San Diego. She was one of the first people to introduce me to so many others. I don't know. I can't even tell you all these people that I, I have a question. I go through this mental um, Rolodex and say, okay, who, who's the best person to help me on this? Who can I reach out to and ask? And that, that's the person. And they almost always will have the answer. And the nice thing is, I don't have to know everything. I don't have to know everything for myself or for my students. I usually know the right person, though, to ask. And then they're the ones who, who help. So yeah. it's been really nice. Yeah. Being a mentor for other people, I have noticed that I get so much value out. And I'm sure they do as well. How do you provide value to your mentors that they take that time out of their busy schedule to, to provide you with that. They cannot do it for a thousand other people, but they do it for you. So that means they are getting some value out of it as well. And how do you provide that value? So it's so important that we, when we are asking so much of these people who are so yes. busy, I mean, they're successful entrepreneurs themselves. Their time is so valuable. Uh, it's so important that we value their time and respect their time. And I do that by asking the students that work with them to really prepare for the, the meetings that they have with their mentors to, to understand when you're going into it, to think of it as uh, a gift at minimum, their time is worth a thousand dollars an hour is what I always figured. Yes. And so for a thousand dollars, if you were going to pay a thousand dollars for this, what would you do first to prepare to get the most out of it? And that helps the students to, to go into it ready and not ask stupid questions that you could find by going on Google, because yes. that's just expensive. It's I know yes. for me, when somebody asks me that question, I'm thinking like, really, you couldn't have spent two minutes to look this up. You're going to waste my time. And so yeah. we don't ever want that to happen. And, and so I think preparing the students before before they go talk to their mentors is uh, important. And then also another thing that I always tell the students is don't ask the mentors to act as your secretary. You know, I, I <laughs> oh, that's, such a good, that's such a good advice. Without that, I found the students wouldn't think about it, but they would say they would let the mentor set up all the details of the meeting. And I'm thinking, 
you're asking so much of them, make it easy for them. Yes. And so I, I think that's been helpful also. Oh, that's very true. The name of this podcast is Want Money, Got Money because entrepreneurs are always looking for finance funding at early stages. And then on the other side, VCs, angel investors are looking for deal flow who've got the money to invest, seen and helped lots of entrepreneurs prepare pitch decks and help them with their with advice on funding side. What advice do you have funding for anyone in the really early stages, seed stage, or pre even pre-seed stage, looking to raise funding? So when you're at the very early stages, the just after ID, the idea stage, you had, you've had the idea of what comes next. That I really encourage all of, all of the entrepreneurs to, to take a focused strategy uh, and, and to start small, to grow big, and to really uh, bootstrap as much as they possibly can. Leverage other people's resources first before you go out and ask for money and give up equity in your company. Nice. Um, there is usually a way that you can do it on the cheap in the beginning. Absolutely. And, and if you don't have a cheap way to start it, it might not be the right startup for you. You might, yes. be a, you might have to pivot. And usually it's those companies that are able to find that sort of uh, very niche focus and, and starts with without a lot of capital in the very early stages that are the most successful, right? Because then they can start making money uh, and at the right time ask for money. Now, I do think though that they should get connected with the with the funders, with the angel investors, with the, the people in that industry very early on just so that they don't waste any time when they're building their company. Because most yes. of the startups that we're building are, are going to be those high growth companies. So eventually they'll need funding. And yes. so it's a good idea to build it right from the beginning. And like Korsky was go so good at doing that and listening to their mentors from TCA, uh, Tech Coast Angels, and, and building the company the way that the investors wanted to see it. And so really very early, they could get investment. It was it, mutually beneficial for the mentors, for the students and our student entrepreneurs. And that, that means that they get much quicker to uh, the point where they're raising money at the right time and very fast growing companies. So, yeah. That is excellent advice. Any advice on the pitch decks? What is the sort of the maybe few common mistakes do you see entrepreneurs making in early stages in when they're making their pitch deck or sending their pitch deck? They're boring, boring. That's the big, biggest mistake I ever see. I just think like, really, would you spend your time watching this? It's the same thing over and over. No, it, tell us about your passion. Tell us about the story, the reason why you're the right person to start that company. All of the details uh, aren't really necessarily, they don't need to be in there yet. You, I, I, I always tell people uh, that your pitch deck is like a, a resume for a job. Right? It's not designed to get you the job. It's designed to get you the inter the interview for the job or the next step in the job uh, you know application process. And uh, the same is true for your pitch deck. You, you're not going to get the money from your pitch deck. You're going to get to the next step in the funding process if they're excited, if they yeah. want to know more. So you've got to get them excited. You've got to get them want to know more. They're going to bet on the jockey, not the horse. So they'll find the entrepreneur that they know can take the company to the right place. It's more important than the idea. So convince them that you're the right person or right team to, to do that. And you'll have a lot better uh, success. So story is a big part of it. Storytelling. Also, one common mistake that I see is I will tell the entrepreneurs, so these are the 10 things that you need to cover maybe in your, in yeah. your pitch deck two minute pitch deck or 90 second pitch deck. Like the problem, and, the solu uh, solution, yeah. the traction, the, the usual. Yeah. And yes, they should cover that. 
But it does not mean that each slide should be, this is my problem. This is my solution. This is my, you know, here's my Tam Sam song. Here's my, no, yes. tell, cover that, but weave it into a story that is interesting and engaging that people are excited when they hear it and want to know more. That's how you get people uh, interested in helping you and, and helping you to succeed in getting to that next uh, level and eventually funding your business. That right there, I think was worth the whole podcast. That was like million dollar advice. <laughs> Weave that thing into the story because I've seen so many pitch decks as well. And, and I've made honestly in, in past as well, that just creating a, a pitch deck that is just the usual, the 10 things that everyone covers. And it's just one slide after another. There is no story. There is no segue into the next thing. There is no We've continuation. All done it. Yes, we've all done it. We've all done it. Yeah. But hopefully we learn now and don't do it again. Right. Yes. Yes. That is fantastic. Before we go, I've got like these three questions that I ask everyone. And first one, is there a book that you are reading right now? Or what was the last book that you read? Oh, I've read I'm trying to think of the last book I read. It was, Fiction. I know. I read, Could be. It doesn't have to be business book or they're always business. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I always read so many entrepreneurial books. It's funny. I actually have, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of a speed reader and I can, uh, nice. there's one of those skills that I developed early on. And so I can read a book uh, pretty quickly, usually in an evening. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But I read one by a Bernie Schroeder and he's the director of the Lavin Entrepreneurship Center at uh, SDSU. And it was, he was called like Fail Fast. Fail, something about failing fast. I can't remember now the, yeah. the details, but it was a great book because it helped people to understand how, how important iteration is and uh, how important it is that if you are going to fail, you fail early on so that you can learn from that failure, iterate, and then build it the right way. And so yeah. I love that. Book. It was really good. Um, I have a list of, of hundreds of books that I get every time I ask the same question that you ask, because I think it's so important. And so uh, I you will usually then afterwards grab that book, read it and, and go Absolutely. on. Absolutely. And I'm going to put all these in the show notes so people can just go and check it out. <laughs> I, no lo- I no longer ask, um, what's your favorite book? Because I didn't want the same book over and over again. Right? <laughs> so. we all- yeah, uh, yeah, you do get the the same answers again and again, which yes. is nice to know what those are. But um, yes. yeah, but agreed. It's I, I actually I'm trying to think if I've even read anything nonfiction or for just pure fun lately. And yeah. I don't think I have. I better be better at, at work life balance. I I don't. <laughs> I haven't read anything nonfiction in a very long. I cannot remember when was the no. last thing. Yeah, so that's all good. Second thing is second question is that if you had to start all over again, say you are just fresh out of university, but you still have all the knowledge that you have gained so far. You have that knowledge, but you're just starting out. You are. What would you do next? Hmm. What would I do next? I probably wouldn't change a thing. I would get right back into what I'm doing right now. I love it so yeah. much. I love entrepreneurship. I would definitely be starting something. And you know, I, I view what I'm doing right now as a startup at the rec. It, it's granted, it's sort of entrepreneurship, I would say, or uh, it, but it feels like a startup helping startups. So I'm, I'm always starting companies and I don't think anything would change uh, that way. I'd say I would get tied into the networks sooner and not be so afraid of uh, failing. Not be so uh, yeah. afraid of, of of looking dumb or of, of of not being good enough. I think a lot of female and minority entrepreneurs they they have yes. that imposter syndrome. Yeah, and you yes. feel like am I supposed so to be big. here? Yeah, and it's real and it gets yeah. in your head. And I would just stop listening to myself <laughs> when, when that did get into my head because I I see it all the time with the founders coming through my program and. Uh, 
that's one thing that I just wish I could shake out of them. Like you are good enough. You, your ideas are better. You're scrappier. You're, you guys know what's happening. So yes, get yes. that out of your head. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know. Probably the only difference I'd make. Yeah. 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 You, you say that it's so true. Do you have a ask? Are you looking for anything? Are you looking for, I don't know, team members, investors, anything? The only ask that I have is uh, just for you to go out there and, uh, I, I, I tell my entrepreneurs uh, this or the, the students going through the program, don't just get into entrepreneurship for the money. The money yes. can be great. It's, it's wonderful. It's a nice carrot sometimes. But if you're just trying to make money, you're never going to make it. You just, you're going to run out of steam. You yes. won't have the, the, the passion that you need to push you through the hard times. And so try to make meaning first, uh, make a difference, and then you can make the money. But don't just get into it solely, purely for the, the, the greenbacks, the dollars. Uh, that's this. The only ask I have is that you go out there, make meaning in the world, make a difference. And uh, if you need help, let us know. There's people out there to help you. Um, yeah. There, there is another I would like to add that um, you guys run amazing events that are like super, yeah. super useful for entrepreneurs. And I think everyone you. should check them out. They should follow you on LinkedIn. I'll have all the links underneath and Thank check you. out your yeah. events because yeah. they were really yeah. good. Anyone looking at um, raising funding, building a startup, getting growth for your startup, getting user acquisition, all those sort of things, they need to go to one of the Rec Innovation Lab free. events. Yes, they're free. They're yes. they're they're just for you. We built this for, for, for entrepreneurs like you to learn. And we have another one, lots coming up, but one coming next week with the, he was one of the, the founders of the Target, the Target Corporation. Yes, they started yes. incubators there. And he, he was the one who led that. His name is Helder. He's amazing. And he's one of our mentors and he's going to be giving a workshop next on Tuesday. So if you guys can come to that, it's going to be really good. But there's lots of great, great events that we put on at least two, three a week. So yeah, yes, definitely. Come. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and the good thing is that there is no um, sell at the end. No one is going to sell you something at the end. They're completely oh. free. No catch. Yeah, no catch. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's the beauty of being in this community college system is I don't make anything off of it. It's all people just giving. And yeah. I love it. Yeah, no, that is great. Look, it has been an absolute um, pleasure to have you on the show. I'll put all the links to your social profiles and to Rec Innovation Lab, links to their website and, and all the events and all sorts of things under the show notes, wherever this goes. So thank you once again and best of luck. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm sure it's changing hundreds and thousands of lives. Thank you, Sam. And I can't wait to have you on uh, our, our events and, and hear uh, from you when you're doing the workshops for us. I can't wait. I can't wait to get that set up. Yeah, Thank you. awesome. Thank you so Thank much. You. Bye, everyone. Take care. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Want Money, Got Money with Sam Kamani. Hope you enjoyed the show and got some valuable insights that would help you in your startup or your business. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate this show on your favorite platform. It would be extremely helpful and I just cannot tell you how much I would appreciate that.